our hands all across this house. Hallelujah. Come on, that's what we come to do. We come to worship Him. I love you, Jesus. More than anything. Hallelujah. More than the air that I breathe. Every, every breath, God, let it go back to you in praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. More than life itself. God, you are our life. You are our hope. You are our joy. You are everything, God. And we love you. Come on, somebody love him all across this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's love him for just a few moments. I feel him in this house. Hallelujah. We just came to declare, God, we love you. But I want everyone in this building to know that God loves you as well. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. And we're grateful for your love. We're grateful for your mercy. Hallelujah, Lord. Somebody clap your hands unto him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's praise him. I can't help but praise him. It's just love in my heart. Praise God, praise God. Amen, hallelujah. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord and to be in his presence and to have everyone here present in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 30. If you have your Bibles. Praise God. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 30. feels good to be in the house of the Lord here today. Amen. Good to have all of our amen, guests and visitors, returning guests and visitors. We want to encourage you to come on Wednesday night for Bible study and uh, continue to grow in the Lord in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30, the Bible says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and then passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee love what the Bible says and how it words things. That when they got done stripping him down, taking everything they wanted to take, wounding him, they left him half dead. But I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Half dead means I'm still half alive. Amen. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this house that God would touch us. 
Hallelujah. I feel life in this house. You might have walked in this building and you might feel depleted. You might have felt dead. Amen. The world might have beat you down. The devil and life might have beat you down. But today, amen, I'm going to speak to your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Today, God's going to reach down for what remaineth in your life. Somebody worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in this house. Half dead means I'm still half alive. There are two places of interest in this story. First is the starting point. That is Jerusalem. And the second is a place by the name of Jericho. If you have come to church at all in your life, read the Bible at all, you may be familiar with the story that surrounds the city of Jericho. After the children of Israel marched around the wilderness for 40 years, they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. And the first city that they came to was the city of Jericho. This was, in fact, the first city that God had determined that Israel would conquer. They were told by God, in order to conquer Jericho, they were to march around the city for seven days, amen, without saying a word. And on that seventh day, when they got done, they were to shout. They were to blow the trumpet. They were to praise God. And can you believe it? After days of silence, after days of nothingness, that when they finally started to praise God, amen, those walls that, that, that had been built, that had been erected to keep them out, could not keep God out, and it could not keep God's people out. Amen. Which lets me know that it does not matter what you come against and what you face, that if you are able, amen, to worship God, it can stand, it can stand, but when you praise God, nothing, no walls, no enemy, no devil, when you begin to praise God and glorify him, there is nothing that is erected against you that is going to be able to stand. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him. This place by the name of Jericho sits at 853 feet below sea level. That is the lowest elevation of any ancient city on the earth. Amen. And after Israel had begun conquering the nations and they'd stepped in the promised land, after they had conquered this land of Jericho, amen, they were, they were going forth and conquering city after city. And finally, amen, they conquered what later became known as their capital, Jerusalem. And in the process of time, they did things that God had told them not to do. Amen. Because it's possible to come out of sin, amen, and step into the promised land and still somehow fall short of what God has for us. Amen. And God had commanded them not to marry any of the local people because God did not want an unequally yoking together of believers and unbelievers. And, and yet there was a group of Israelites that did not obey this commandment. And they began to produce children. And these children would be half Jewish and half pagan. These became known as the Samaritans. Amen. They were despised and rejected. 
of the full-blooded Jews. In fact, the Bible would let us know that the Jews would have no dealings with the Samaritans because of the fact that they were not fully Jewish. In fact, we see this happening when Jesus meets a woman at the well at the place of Samaria, a Samaritan woman. And she said she was confused that Jesus, being a Jew, would dare speak to her. Amen. Because she was convinced that no Jew would have any dealings with her kind. Amen. But she had never met somebody like Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm thankful to serve that kind of God. That it doesn't matter what other people reject. Amen. God will come to where I am. Praise God. Amen. That's what made it, this parable so intriguing. It was not the religious, it was not the pious that helped the man in the ditch. It was the despised and rejected, amen, as they would call him derogatorily, half-breed, that became his Savior. We know this parable today as the good Samaritan. That would be an oxymoron, amen, back in Jesus' day because in the eyes of the Jews, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Amen, in our text the Bible tells us that a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This journey, amen, between both cities is a winding 35-mile road. It is a road that has been known to be perfect for ambushing the travelers that come down it. It's so bad that in the days of Jesus, commentators said that it was known as the way of blood. If you are traveling this road, you'd start out in Jerusalem, which is about 2,100 feet above sea level. And by the time you got down to Jericho, it was such a steep incline that you would end up at 853 feet below sea level. Amen. The Bible does not give us a whole lot of information on who this man was, but it does give us some information on what happened to him on his downward journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. The Bible says that as he went, he fell among thieves. The thieves did four main things to him. They took his clothes, and I have no doubt they took all the money and all of the goods that he may have had. They wounded him. They could have just taken what he had and kept on going, but that's not how these thieves operated. They wounded him. They departed him, and the Bible says they left they left him half dead when they got done with this man as far as they were concerned he was as good as dead when they got done with this man they thought well we've got everything of value from him and there is nothing left in him and, and he doesn't even have much life left in him amen we're going to just go about our way and we're going to leave him in this ditch on the side of a road of blood amen to die all alone these thieves, these enemies, not much information is given about them. But one thing is certain, they had a mentality of most thieves. What's yours is mine. With no regard for the man or for his life, they took everything that they could from this poor helpless traveler on his way down to Jericho. And the Bible says that by chance there came down a priest that way. And this priest was walking the same road that this other man had walked. Amen. He was on his way down to Jericho just like this man. And when he saw the man, because he did see the man, he looked and he passed by 
on the other side. Now, I, I don't want to completely throw the priests under the bus. It meant it was in the law that the priest was not allowed to touch a dead body, which lets us know that the way the priest saw this man was he's already dead. There's no life in him. Amen. And so he thought, well, I'll just leave it for somebody else. And then the Bible says that a Levite walked by on the same road that the man had walked. He even took time out of his busy schedule to go on the same side of the road where the ditch was. And he looked down upon the man and then he thought better of it amen what 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 would this do to his schedule amen he also was a Levite and he knew that it would make me unclean for at least seven days and so here we've got the priest that cannot help him this is a symbol of religion and just going about your religious day and duty that cannot help this man and then there comes by a religious individual with no experience for themselves amen that looks at the man even can stand above him in a position, amen, that is elevated above this man and says, there's no hope for you. And he passes by on the other side. Amen. It's this concept, amen, that we then see the good Samaritan begin to come up. But before that, we see the priest of Levite that no doubt they ask themselves this question, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? They were focused on themselves. But the biggest difference on whether they helped him or not was how they viewed him. They viewed him as hopeless, that he was just as the thieves had said. He was half dead. In other words, he was as good as dead. But I thank God that Jesus continues the story and he doesn't stop there. Amen. The story goes on to show us of what we would later call the good Samaritan Amen. And he did not just pass the man by. He started by asking himself the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what he didn't ask what will happen to me. He said, if I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Amen. Let me just preach for a moment. Amen. We're not a priest church. Amen. We're not a Levite church. And we certainly aren't a thief church. Amen. We're a Samaritan church. I think I get a few more amens about that. Amen. We don't just pass by on the other side. We certainly don't wound people and throw them in the ditch. But we come to where they are. Let me just preach it into the culture of the church for a moment. Amen. The world looks at the world and says, there is no hope. There is no life. There is no chance. The religious of our world looks at our world and says, there's no hope. There's no life. And there's no chance. They are half dead. But when the Samaritan comes by, when the church of the living God comes by, we see life. We see hope, we see possibility, we see what God can do. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify the Lord. Let's lift up our hands and let's love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just wanted you to know what kind of building you stepped into. You might have crawled in this place. You might feel despised and rejected. You might feel beat up and left for dead and deserted. You might feel half dead. But there is a God in this building that is looking at what is left. The Bible says that this Samaritan journeyed. 
But what's interesting is it doesn't say it was by accident. Everybody else by chance. But it seems to me that this Samaritan was on a mission. This Samaritan, amen, was, was headed, amen, and I can only think about the fact that it was this Samaritan through the context who was not headed down from Jerusalem for the Jews don't really want to do anything with the Samaritans but it was this Samaritan that seems like he was going up from Jericho maybe to do some trade maybe to do some business he was not going the same direction amen that the priest and the Levite and this man were going he was headed up to Jerusalem he was headed amen towards Amen. This kingdom of God. And when the Samaritan saw this man lying in a ditch, he did not see him as everyone else saw, but he saw this man still has life in him. This man still has breath in his body. And the Bible says that this man, this Samaritan, got down in the ditch where he was. He bound him, his wounds up. He poured in oil and wine. He put him on his own beast and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. Can I preach to somebody here today that maybe you are feeling and you have felt like this man that is on Amen. A journey. And it's not an upward journey. It's a downward journey. And on that journey, amen, this place called Jericho, this low city, amen, it was out of Jerusalem. It was out of the will of God. It was down, down, down. Can I preach to somebody for a moment? That's exactly how sin is. Amen. I want you to know every individual in this house, you were born with a purpose from God. Amen. God's got a plan for you. It's Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city of David, the city of God was not in a valley. It was up on a mountaintop. And every individual, God looks and says, I see it up here. Amen. This is where you could be. This is where you could live. But sin's a journey, and sin will always take us lower than we ever thought we would go. Amen. And it takes us down, down, down. Well, I've got a degree. We're still going down, down, down. I got money in the bank. We're still going down, down, down. The nature of sin is never to take us further in God, it's to take us away from God. It never takes us to a higher position, but to a lower position. My Bible says in Psalms 51 and 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everyone in this building, uh, we've all got a sin problem. From our very birth, we have headed downward from the ideal of what God has for us. We've been going from the design God has, and we've been going down, 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 down. And when we leave the city of God, when we leave the purpose of God, when we leave the hand of God, when we leave the plan of God, we also leave the protection of God. 
And while he is going down, he falls among thieves. Amen. I want some people to hear me today. Amen. There is this downward journey of sin and of life. Amen. But sometimes bad goes to worse. And our bad decisions connect with other people's bad decisions. And our life choices connect with other people's life choices. And there is now a conflict. There is now chaos. There is now disorder. And bad goes to worse. And now we've fallen and we can't get up. It seemed as if I can control this. I can go back up to what God has for me anytime I want. But life doesn't leave you that way. And can I preach it? The devil doesn't want to leave anybody with two feet still standing. He's looking at every opportunity to wound people, to, to steal from people. Even my Bible says of our adversary, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This old devil, he's looking at every individual with purpose, every child of God, and saying, I can kill them, I can destroy them, let me just get my hands on them. And here we've got entire generations that have been left on the side of the road. We've got entire demographics that have been left on the side of the road. We've got people that are meant for more, living for less on the side of the road. And they've fallen and they can't get up because of the wounds of other people because of the wounds of a society that did not care for them because of the wounds of an all adversary the devil that did not want them to ever get back to the purpose of God oh somebody clap your hands I come to preach hope in this house hallelujah somebody lift up your voice and let's pray come on that's the world we're living in that's the world we're living in. And they say, man, I was headed down, uh, but it just got worse. Uh, and it wasn't my fault. And it, wasn't, it wasn't my decision. But stuff just happened. And this led to that. Uh, and God's coming in this house uh, to get down where we are and pick us up. Oh, somebody love him. The religious and the other people that were on his level could not do anything for him. I'll tell you why religion is not enough. Because they're going the same direction. Oh, I came to help somebody. And listen, the Bible talks about pure religion and undefiled before God. Amen. There is a right religion. And that's the only positive verse in the Bible about religion. But we understand that there's a lot of religions out there. And I know, I understand. I used to say it myself. I don't like religion. They start wars. They cause problems. And the truth is, all religion is, in its essence, is self-righteousness. My way is the right way. Nobody else's way is the right way. And yet nobody stops to check in with God or God's word. And here we see these groups uh, that are on his level. They're all headed down, but they feel like they're better. They're all headed down to Jericho. Their journey's downward just like his, but they've not had happen to him. Amen. They've not had happen to themselves. What happened to this man? And they look at him, and they say, no, what we've got going on is too important. Our cleanliness is too important for you. And they look at him, and they look down on him from their vantage point of the road of life's and say, I can't help you, I won't help you, and best of luck, you're probably dead anyways. That is exactly what religion's answer is. Good luck. 
But I thank God, amen, for a man by the name of Jesus who broke through all of that and said, I'm not going to allow people to stay in this condition. Amen. I want you to know, religion said, if you're not as good as me, you can't get up. Religion says, if you are busted, I have no need of you. Amen. If you are broken, there's no use for you. We'll just leave you on the side of the road. But my Bible tells me of another half-breed by the name of Jesus. This half-breed, he showed up. He was 100% man and 100% God. His name was Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, God manifested himself in the flesh and said religion couldn't help you. Religiosity and religious people couldn't help you. The world couldn't help you. Thieves couldn't help you. So I myself will bring about their salvation. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. This Jesus was 100% man in our remission. He had to be our perfect sacrifice. And he was 100% God in our regeneration. Infinity became an infant. Immortality took on mortality. And at the age of 30, he began to preach this gospel. Amen. To lost humanity about repentance. He started telling prostitutes and those that were vagabonds that there's still hope for you. That there's still some change that can be made in your life. He did not look, amen, as the religious of his day and say, no, they are half dead. There is no hope. There is no chance for them. He began to preach about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God. And he starts talking about all the beauties of that kingdom. It might start off as a mustard seed, but when it's all said and done, it's the greatest of all herbs. And what is he saying? You might feel like there's nothing left in you, but if you can let the kingdom of God enter your life, it'll sprout and it'll grow and it'll, it'll, it'll conquer all of the mess and all the mistakes. He began to preach about salvation. He began to preach about eternity. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He unlocked deaf ears. He opened blinded eyes. He healed lepers, yes. And when he healed lepers, he wasn't afraid to get dirty. He knew that when they touched me or when I touched them, I don't get dirty. They get clean. I don't get sick. They get healed. He wasn't afraid to make the cripple walk. He wasn't afraid to make those that were sinners forget of their sins. I'm preaching about Jesus. Is anybody thankful that when God saw you and when God saw me, he saw that there's still something left? Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. He did all these great things, but you better believe it. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 3, he was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We would, you would think that anybody who saw this Jesus would say, I want to have him in my life. I don't ever want to lose him. You know, there's people who say, well, I don't know about Jesus. I encourage you to read your Bible because you heard about the wrong Jesus. Oh, come on. My Bible says many false Christs will arrive, will arise. And there's a lot of people got the wrong conception of Jesus. Amen. My Jesus, he does all these beautiful things and he works. Yes, he works with people like Zacchaeus that are just ripping people off. Tax collector. 
He can work with tax collectors. I think he can work with anybody. Amen. He has no problem taking people that were possessed of devils, setting them free, and sending them to preach the gospel. He takes people that are cussing fishermen and makes preachers out of them. He takes women that are ill repute and he makes worshipers out of them. He can I preach church? That's the kind of Jesus we worship. That's can I preach to somebody about the real good Samaritan? His name is Jesus, and he sees us where we are. He sees us where we are, but he's not scared of where we are. He's not afraid of where we are. He's not embarrassed of where we are. He sees it, and he's got great vision, and he looks down on us and says, I can still work with them. But you better believe People don't want you hearing about that, Jesus. They whipped him. They beat him. They put a crown of thorns on his head, an old rugged cross on his back. They led him up outside the city of Jerusalem. Yes, outside, and they made him on the outside of Jerusalem walk up a hill towards Calvary. And as they marched him up that hill towards Calvary, his blood began to run down on that road. And that road became a way of blood in its own right. And when they took him to the top, the Bible says they crucified him there better believe Jesus while he was going up that hill he was looking in every ditch of society he was looking at every busted family he was looking at every drug addict he was looking at every prostitute he was looking at every alcoholic on the ditch he saw where they were and the Bible says that it was for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross he despised the shame and said don't worry there's joy that's coming that one day 2,000 years later there's going to be a bunch of people that used to be uh, that were messed does anybody remember the pit in which God has dug you from he said 2,000 years later there's going to be a church in Carson City and they're going to be worshiping me and they're going to be magnifying Yes, I'll endure it. Yes, I'll go through it. Because one day, there's going to be a drug addict. There's going to be a single mom that's going to pray through to the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to grab them right where they are. Somebody ought to praise him. Does anybody remember the ditch? Does anybody remember the pit? Does anybody remember the bar stool? Does anybody remember the lonely nights? Does anybody remember the one night stands? Does anybody remember the mess in which God found you? Give him praise. Let's lift up our hands. I think it's a good time for somebody to look back and say, had it not been for Jesus, I wouldn't even be here. Come on, it's the goodness of the Lord that led me to repentance. It's the goodness of God that opens a way for every individual. Come on, let's pray. Come on, when he looked, he saw life. When he looked, he saw potential. When he looked, he said, I can do something with that. Somebody pray right now. Come on, there's some folks in this house used to be addicted to methamphetamines, but God set you free. There's some folks who came from a drug home, but God pulled you up out of that drug home. There's some folks been abandoned and left for dead and said there's no hope, no chance, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus.
Oh, somebody love him. There's some people here today that maybe you're here and you're in the position right now. You're in the ditch. You're in the ditch that you fell in. And maybe you're in the ditch other people threw you in. It was a ditch, but they called it the grave. <laughs> they, they, they thought, it's over. It's done for you. Got beatings from life. Maybe everybody in your life has let you down. People have hurt you. People have written you off as hopeless and helpless. Maybe they're nothing more than the thieves of life that stole all your happiness and joy. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe it's the fact that when they get done using and abusing and taking everything good from you, they say there's no hope for you. They write you off like a waste of time. They look at you as a burden, and they say this person's going to die anyways. Amen. But I want to help you here today. Jesus is determined. I want to help you. Jesus is determined to break all the opinions of others. Jesus is determined to make something out of you. And the more they say you're a hopeless case, the more God God says, that's where I can work. The more they say there's no chance, he says, I like those odds. The more they say there's no way, he says, I make a way where there is no way because I am the way. Somebody praise him. Let's stand across the building and clap our hands and magnify Jesus. Everybody might say you're half dead, but I've come to help you. Jesus sees life. Jesus sees hope. Jesus sees the best. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and love him. Somebody lift up your hands and let's love him. Come on. In the name of Jesus. He's come today with purpose. He's come with intent. I'm going to heal those that could not be healed. I'm going to set at liberty those that are bruised. I'm going to take those that were there was no hope for. And I am going to do something with them. There are four things that the thieves really did to the man. They stole from him. They wounded him. There's some folks that already, I just said, stole from him. And you can go through your mind right now and think of all the things life or somebody else has stole from you. Stole your hope. Stole your peace. You can't sleep at night. Come on, our present evil world stealing people's hope, leaving them full of anxiety and fear. And, and it just they're just kicking you while you're down. Stole from them. And then that's not enough. They wound them. There's some folks that are still bleeding in the house of God. Been 20 years, but you're still bleeding. It hadn't cauterized yet, hadn't scabbed over yet, but today I've come to help you. There's some oil and wine in this house. Oh, Jesus. They deserted him. There's some people been abandoned in life, abandoned by the very people that they should have, they should have stood up and been there for you, but they deserted you. They should have helped you out, but they didn't do anything but steal from you and wound you. And at the end, they doubted he would ever amount to anything. They doubted anything good could ever come from his life. They pulled him down. They stripped him down. They ripped him down. And they left him down. Everything's down, down, down. And sure, the, the thieves got away with his coat. They got away with his money. They wounded him. He's now there 
in the recovery room. He woke up and he doesn't know how he got there, but he's there in the recovery room and, 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 and he's trying to figure it out and piece it together. There was no chance. There was no hope, but here I am. I'm alive and I've got bandages and I, I'm doing okay. And he's trying to figure it out. And finally, somebody comes by and tells him what the good Samaritan has done for him. The Samaritan did four things to combat the very things that the thieves did. The Bible says he went down where he was and he picked him up. Because Jesus is not there in just handouts. Handouts leave you down. Handouts are just something where, good luck, bud. This isn't, a, this isn't one of those social gospels. Good luck. He says, no, I'm going to get down in the ditch where you are. And I'm going to pick you up. He said, I don't want to just give you a handout. I want to give you a hand up. Uh, he picked him up. He filled up his wounds with oil and wine. Uh, he took him back up to the city. He set him up in a nice comfy bed, free of charge. Uh, and can I preach to somebody here today? Amen. There's four things that God wants to do to you. God wants to pick you up. God wants to fill you up. Uh, God wants to take you up. Uh, and you better believe it. God wants to set you up. Uh, amen. And anything that you charge, uh, he says, I paid for it. Uh, and when I return, I'll pay for it. My Bible says in Isaiah 59 and 1, the arm of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save. He will reach lower than you can go. He will pick you up. Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You want to know what heals deep wounds? You know what cauterizes and scars over and scabs over deep wounds? is when you get filled with the best baptism of the Holy Ghost when he pours the oil of anointing, when he pours the wine of his spirit. It doesn't matter how deep the wound is. God fills it all. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and we shall meet the Lord the air and we shall ever be present with the Lord. God takes us where we had no chance, no hope and he says I'm going to take you up amen a little higher. I'm going to take you back to Jerusalem. I'm going to take you back to a city amen which streets are made of gold and it's a, there's a crystal sea and amen the gates are made of pearl and he says I'll take you up where you did not belong anymore because of your mistakes but I'll take you up and because of me finally I love what Jesus does there's some people say well I got saved I got the Holy Ghost I got all the way to this point and I'm just waiting till I go to heaven no you don't oh one glad morning when this weird life is over I'll fly away everybody's waiting for death no he said I'll give you life and life more abundantly that comes before eternal life you don't got to scrape by in life and barely make it. When he picks you up, when he takes you up, when he fills you up, my Bible also says he set him up. Amen. Philippians 4 and 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He said, don't worry how wounded you were. Don't worry how busted you were. Don't worry how deficient you were. I paid enough for you to be good. Until I return. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Wherever you're at in the process, 
today God has come by to repair all of the broken things. Jesus is coming in this house. He sees where you are. He sees. Oh, somebody pray right now. Maybe you're in the ditch. He says, don't worry, I'll get down in that ditch. I came from heaven to earth. I lowered myself as low as I could go. Lower than your worst mistake. I can reach you. Maybe you feel empty and all you feel is the scars and the wounds. He's come in this house to fill you with his spirit. Somebody come and pray. I want to open up this altar. I'm done preaching. If you're in this house, I want to invite you to this altar. Even if you feel comfortable. If not, I want you to turn your seat into a place of prayer and begin to cry out. There's a good Samaritan in this house. Amen. Jesus is in this building. Amen. He says, I can, I can pick you up. I can fill you up. I can take you up. Amen. Back to your potential. And I, I will set you up. I will bless you. Come on, somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. There's some folks in this building. He's coming right where you are. He's coming right where you are. He's got the answer. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. Come on. So you cleaned me up. You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I can be free So I can be whole And I will tell everyone I know Was worth saving Come on, let's in church So you came Let him pick you up Let him pick you, you up was Let him take you up and set you up so you clean me up inside you thought I was to die for you sacrificed your life so I can be free so I can be whole so I will tell everyone I know you thought I was worth